podcast from Aberdeen Investment Trusts. Hello and welcome to our latest update on the Dunedin Income Growth Investment Trust. We're going to be looking at the latest results season, discussing dividends and looking at the positioning on the trust. I'm Cherry Raynard and with me today are the trust managers, Ben Ritchie and Rebecca McLean. So welcome, Ben. Welcome, Rebecca. Uh, Ben, let's kick off with you if we can. Um, Can we take a temperature check on the UK economy? So how is inflation, consumer confidence and growth looking? Well, thanks very much, Terry. I think um, at the moment, the economy is looking a little bit healthier, I think, than people had expected. We've had some positive house price data uh, in recent weeks, um, suggesting that we're seeing a recovery following the quite steep decline yeah, both in pricing and confidence that we saw in the autumn of 2022. And I think there's also been some positive data around the health of government finances. So there's some speculation that there's going to be a little bit more uh, wiggle room for the Chancellor perhaps to uh, ease the fiscal purse strings um, in the spring budget. But, but I think overall, the situation's fairly stagnant. You know, we're not in a situation of, of rampant growth, nor indeed are we in sort of recessionary climbs, but we're in an environment where the economy is kind of okay, uh, unemployment seems to be stable, um, inflation has been coming down, probably expect to see that continue to fall. Um, uh, uh, but on the other hand, you know, growth remains relatively limited. So I think it's a fairly sort of flattish outlook. And at the same time, you know, households uh, continue to find their budgets under pressure, although at the margins there is some easing in terms of the rate of inflation and, and, and cost pressures. Okay, thanks. And um, Rebecca, we're in the middle of um, full year results season for companies. Have you have you sort of developed any sort of key takeaways from that so far? Yeah, it's been a busy time, lots of results um, for companies that we hold in the trust, but also for looking at the wider market, which is always a helpful um, time to be able to get an understanding about the general health of the economy and also um, activities in different end markets and um, subsectors. So I'd say that um, based on what we've seen so far, you know, there's been some mixed um, results, but probably more positive than not. Um, so first, as always, at after Christmas, you get the retailers disclosing activity over the period. Um, and there it was mixed. So um, I'd say that, you know, there were some for some companies indications of weaker consumer activity over the holiday period. But for others, it was it was OK. So, you know, companies like JD Sports um, and Watches of Switzerland, um, both which are not held in the trust, did report some challenging UK numbers. But on the other hand, Next um, reported some good retail figures over over the period. So I think we can probably take away from that that it's not that the the consumer is in, in an OK position, but there, there isn't sort of widespread um, support and growth which is going to lift all boats but rather um, it depends on the retailer's strategy and positioning um, which I suppose sort of feeds into our our process and you know how we'd like to think about um, picking companies and how they're positioned f- for different economic environments. 
So, you know, within the portfolio and the retailers, we have Pets at Home, um, which did report okay results, but there was an element of softness within some of their discretionary like-for-likes. Um, but meanwhile, their vets business has been performing very well. Um, so, yeah, so the consumer sort of some positive trends there, but not not broad based um, in the portfolio. I think probably the standout result that we've had so far in the earnings period has been ASML. And here um, the results and, and wider commentary do point to what looks like we're at the beginning of the new semiconductor cycle. Um, so the company reported strong orders that were ahead of expectations um, and is seeing improving fundamentals in memory and also logic. Um, so this sort of positions the company well for um, an outlook for growth this year um, and next year. And then on top of that, ASML and the wider sector is also benefiting from structural trends around AI, driving um, greater computing power uh, and demand for chips. So um, I'd say that was probably a standout performer um, in terms of the earnings season. Um, and then finally, sort of maybe on the other side, on the negatives, um, we are seeing power prices coming down in the UK. And this does have implications for a number of companies and held in the portfolios SSE, which is seeing that translate into uh, an impact on profits. Um, the company also had some stock specific impacts around delays to one of their turbine installation projects. Um, so that's also contributing to weakness to the shares. But we remain positive um, on our position in SSE and think that it's um, attractively valued for the outlook for asset growth and also the renewable pipeline that it has. OK, thanks, Rebecca. Um, ben, the Bank of England has been making kind of more encouraging noise on <laughs> noises on rate cuts. I, I realise that might improve sort of market sentiment overall. But will that have an impact on companies in the portfolio? Well, there are two sides to it, really, Jerry. I think the one side is what does that do for the earnings of companies in the portfolio? And the, I guess the second element is what does it do to the valuation of companies in the portfolio? So if we, if we think about the first one, then cutting rates will certainly free up cash for consumers, lower mortgage costs, lower debt costs in general. And you'd expect that to be helpful in the immediate term to things like house builders, construction companies, and perhaps a little bit later, uh, it would be helpful to, to retailers um, and other consumer facing businesses. So as Rebecca has been saying, we have some exposure to those parts of the market. We've got uh, a reasonable holding in, in Taylor Wimpy. Um, we own companies in the construction space like Marshalls as well. So you know, we'd expect those companies to be beneficiaries of, of, of rate cuts in terms of consumers having more money in their pockets and being prepared to, to spend, pets at home, various other companies that, that offer sort of semi-discretionary product. In terms of the sort of valuation element, though, ultimately equities tend to be discounted by long bond rates. I think the UK market is always a mix of, of global long rates. So the, the UK 10-year uh, real yield is, is a relevant marker, but it's probably not as important overall in terms of people's perception of value as as, as, as US 10-year yields. Uh, that certainly comes into play. And at the end of the day, cutting short-term rates is not quite the same thing as cutting as cutting longer-term rates. So I think we, we would expect to see the short end 
you know, come down at some point this year as, as, as inflation eases and the Bank of England is able to, to cut rates. Whether we see quite the same reduction in longer bond yields, I think, is a, is a more open question. So I think in the near term, it should benefit some of the consumption plays, some of the house builders. We've already seen some of that built into prices as the market's anticipating these changes. In terms of the valuation impact, I think I wouldn't expect there to be a, a major implication for those sorts of businesses. I mean, on the other side to it, there have been a number of areas where companies have benefited from higher amounts of net interest income from interest rates being higher. So you know, that might present a bit of a headwind for businesses that have been effectively picking up additional money on the, the cash that they've had invested as well. So there's a positive side to rate cuts, and I think that outweighs uh, the negative. But there will also be some companies who'd be negatively affected as well in terms of their earnings. Um, Rebecca, I'm wondering what the the balance of the portfolio is today between kind of small and medium and, and large cap companies. Currently, the trust has just over 50% of assets in the FTSE 100, which is the 100 largest companies in the UK. Um, and about 30% of the holdings were in the FTSE 250, so those more mid cap names. And then also, it's important to highlight that the trust does have the ability to invest outside of the UK up to 25% of the assets. And we're currently stood just under 20%. So that's the current mix of the portfolio. And I'd say that it's been pretty consistent if you look back over the last um, couple of years to have that sort of shape. But it has been a, a volatile time. Um, in the market. And over the last three years, you've seen the FTSE 100 outperform the mid-cap FTSE 250 quite materially. Um, so over the last three years, the total return of the large caps has been about 30%, um, with the 250 around flat over three years on a total return basis. Um, so there's been a quite stark underperformance of the mid-caps. And this has brought up a number of opportunities um, that we can see. So over the last year or so, we have been hunting around in that mid UK mid-cap space. Um, and indeed, uh, we have a watch list of companies that we are monitoring. Um, and many of them are, are of that mid-cap size, where we think that the valuations really have, have priced in some quite negative earnings outlooks for many companies. And actually, it's a good place to, to find some really good, innovative, uh, quality companies at attractive valuations. So, um, yeah, we, can, we continue to hold a number of mid-caps, you know, companies like Softcat, which is the technology value-added reseller, um, Marshalls, which Ben's already mentioned, which is the sort of construction um, company, and also Genus, which is animal genetics, where we think that the valuations really are discounting what, what could be an attractive outlook for the businesses. So, yeah, we continue, we continue to like the mid-cap space. Um, and actually, if you see the performance at the end of last year, you did see quite a sharp rotation in the market out of the large caps into mid caps. Um, and I think what that shows is it, it gives an indication of, of how quickly sentiment can turn. And then indeed, the share prices, when, when you consider the starting valuations for the UK index as a whole, and also that mid cap index. Okay, thanks. And uh, I wonder if we could just look at the dividend picture as well now. Um, Ben, there was a the computer share dividend monitor was um, was out last at the end of last month, and that showed really quite a rosy picture for 
growth in UK dividends. Does that reflect what you find in the UK market, that there is plenty of sort of growing dividend opportunities there? Yeah, I think looking at it on a on a sort of uh, underlying basis, I think in 2023, I think the computer share data was saying that dividends are up about 5%. And I think the fourth quarter was quite strong, but but over the year, about 5%. Um, if you adjust that for one-offs, um, then I think actually income in 23 was was down year on year, but the underlying prospects were, were, looking, were looking a bit healthier. Um, the outlook for 24 is, I think they're looking for 2%. Um, underlying dividend growth, which is which is fine. Uh, I think the issue we quite often have with the UK market is income is very concentrated in a few very large companies. Um, and I think one of the great benefits of Digit is it's able to diversify that away. You know, we're very relaxed about being very different to the to the broader market. So as Rebecca was talking about the structure of the fund, we've only got fifty percent in the in the FTSE one hundred, um, and we've got twenty five percent invested or twenty percent invested overseas. So we're we're quite different and we're prepared if, if necessary to be as different as, as is required to, to deliver the mandates. And so you know, where we have income exposure, it's, it's it is you know, really rather different to the to the broader market. Uh, and as a result, we also think that the prospects for underlying dividend growth in the trust uh, look pretty healthy. So um, we, we sort of see a underlying growth rate of, of income being generated from the companies in the portfolio that's you know somewhat better than somewhat better than two percent. And our goal really uh, is to both deliver um, a yield in line, perhaps ahead of the market, but to be able to grow it at a much better rate uh, than the market has been able to do uh, over the longer term. And I think we certainly see, as Rebecca was saying, plenty of opportunities uh, to find companies that can deliver both capital returns and income. And that's really, the, I think, the trick, because at the end of the day, dividends have been delivered from the UK market over the last sort of 15, 20 years, but that hasn't been a lot of capital growth. Uh, and the, the balancing act that which we're trying to find is to deliver that yield, but also deliver attractive capital returns that can compound over time so that you can get sort of both you know, the income today and the growth tomorrow. And it's it's trying to get that balance, which we're really shooting for. And absolutely, we see plenty of opportunities uh, with companies that, that can help us do that. And that's, I think, because we're prepared to be very index agnostic. And because we're also able to invest overseas, that also gives us a significantly uh, wider opportunity set, which I think is very, very helpful uh, for delivering the trust mandate as well. OK, great. And then just finally, Rebecca, I, w- I wonder if we could wrap up by talking a little bit about the trust exposure to the consumer. I know you mentioned some of the consumer names that you hold in the trust. Is the consumer still kind of widely unloved by the market? And, and kind of where are you finding opportunities within the sector? So when we're looking at the sector, we've got exposure to both consumer discretionary and consumer staples. So it's about 20% of the trust is in is in both those sectors and about 50-50 split between discretionary and staples. Um, versus the index, we're more overweight discretionary. And I think there, if we think about where we've come from, um, certainly at the beginning of last year, there was a, a lot of concern about the health of the consumer during, you know, cost of living crisis, and when considering the risk of recessions in different markets. Um, but 
the results have and sort of performance of the companies has really shown that throughout last year that the the consumer was holding up and remained resilient from a spending perspective. Um, so I think that you know whilst there's still concerns on the consumer from what we're seeing from the companies actually they are holding up and are being more resilient than I think people had feared. Um, so from the discretionary side, you know, Ben's already mentioned Taylor Wimpy. Um, so, you know, the house builders have um, really seen a, a marked deterioration in their volumes due to the sort of rise in interest rates and mortgage rates. However, we're starting to see um, a pickup in demand and just really sort of more recently um, in terms of some of the the data coming out about sales rates in January, which would suggest um, what could be sort of the turn in the the UK house building market. Um, Now mortgage rates have come down to levels which are more affordable for consumers. So, you know, I think the market does look to try and price that in quite quickly. So we've seen quite a material share price and re-rating for the sector on the back of what looks like those early indications of a turn. Uh, But I think we're still not seeing it yet in terms of the company's earnings, but that that will come through as you start to see the recovery. So some sort of early signs of, of, of positive inflection within some of the a consumer discretionary sector like the house building sector. I've mentioned pets already. Um, we also have a, a holding in games workshop, um, which is more of a, a specialist and has a niche position within um, the gaming market and the modeling market, but you know, but indeed is, is also delivering a good level of growth in this environment. Um, so that's discretionary. On the staple side, um, we've got a number of positions and actually this is a sector that we do look for um, where there are a number of good quality companies which provide defensive characteristics and also um, that capital protection which we are looking for in addition to um, to income. So our positions in the consumer staples sector include Unilever and Diageo um, and I would say that both of them are unloved. Um, so Unilever and there's certainly concerns around um, down trading and the pricing for the business coming off the period of inflation Um, and we've seen that translate into weaker gross margins and the competitiveness of their position and their products deteriorating Um, but we think this is an interesting time to be looking at Unilever. Um, There's a new management in place, there's a real focus on their top brands looking to improve gross margins over time and invest in those those top 30 key brands which you know should support good resilient growth in the future so the company's guiding to three to five percent with some margin improvement uh, and indeed the results this week support that um, outlook too so I think that's one which is unloved and and is is one that we've got in one of our top uh, five positions so um is one that we are you know have got conviction in um and then the other name is diageo which again is going through a challenging time i think the market is quite concerned about the outlook given um it has had some profit warnings around its latam business and there's concern around the U- the u.s business too which has continued to um sort of cause the the shares to derate so, um, so yeah, certainly I think the consumer staples segment of the market is unloved, uh, but we are finding opportunities in that, in that segment. And indeed, we do think that it's a part of the market which is 
um, consistent with our investment approach, which is to look for quality companies, which are going to give you capital protection, capital growth, and also income. And um, so we'll continue to look in that sector for our highest conviction names. Great. Okay, we'll wrap up there. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And thank you, Ben, for those insights today. Uh, if you have any more questions about the trust, please get in touch or visit the website at dunedinincomegrowth.co.uk. And thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen. The companies discussed in this podcast have been selected for illustrative purposes only or to demonstrate our investment management style and not as an investment recommendation or indication of their future performance. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns, return projections or estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.